everyone. I'm attorney Donna DiMaggio Berger, and this is Take It to the Board, where we speak condo and HOA. Our episode today is about something most, if not all, communities will undertake at some point, a common area renovation project. This usually involves redoing the lobby, corridors, elevators, clubhouse, and other amenities. Often, these kinds of projects provoke a lot of heated discussion and debate as people in the community have very different tastes and ideas about what the project should look like. I'm happy to be discussing this topic with my longtime friend, Patty Mowry, who is a very talented designer. Patty is the owner of Patty Mowry Interior Designs, which she started in 2014. Prior to that, she was a vice president and senior designer at Decorators Unlimited in Palm Beach Gardens for 24 years. She's a graduate of FSU and the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Patty has helped me sort out my own personal design dilemmas over the years. Patty, welcome to Take It to the Board. Well, thank you, Donna. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So, Patty, when you're brought into a community to bid on a renovation project, you first have to win over the board, and then you have to win over the members who typically have a vote on the alteration project. How different is your approach to each? Actually, my approach is the same, whether it be to the board or to the members. First of all, yes, you have to present your experience, your design thoughts. So you have to win them over with ideas, visions, and then you've got to win them over with the design process. They all want to know what their floor is going to look like, and they all want to know what everything is going to cost. Everybody has a friend or a family member in the industry who they think can get a better price than the designer. So you do have to educate the members as to your your talents, your experience, and your subs, and making sure that you are getting the most qualified people and the best price possible. But before you get selected, Patty, can you tell what the price is going to be? I mean, at the initial stage, and you're giving that presentation, because what a lot of my boards do is they know they have to do the project, and then they invite the, the designer in to give a presentation to kind of hopefully generate excitement in the community. At that stage, do you really know what everything's going to cost? No, you don't really know what everything's going to cost because there's always unforeseen things in any and every project. But you can get an idea. For instance, you can take the square footage of the building and the areas that you are going to be working on. And let's say you were going to do painting, you know, by the square footage, you can get a painting quote. Same thing for a flooring, depending if you have carpet now and you want to upgrade to a, t- a tile, you can get an approximate square footage, approximate cost of the material and come up with a so-called budget. So when I am going to a new client interview as an attorney, as an association attorney, I can often tell just from that initial meeting how challenging the representation is going to be, often because I'm looking at the dynamics of the board, I'm hearing their questions. Is it the same for you when in that initial meeting, can you tell whether or not this is going to be a very challenging job? Absolutely. I have met with board members privately, which is usually a lot easier. They are very receptive and interested in the design philosophy, the steps it takes to have the project 
roll along in a timely manner, and they're also interested in the budget. When you get to present to the members of the building, it's a whole lot different because, yes, everybody has their opinions, their design experience experience. Some people want to be with the current trend. Some people want to stay in another trend. So it's appeasing the masses and it's always challenging. Have you had to pivot or completely jettison one plan that you had in mind when you initially spoke to the board and then after the members weighed in with their thoughts? And I know sometimes communities do surveys on this, so they'll actually put it out to the membership as a survey in terms of color finishes and, as you said, design trends. Have you had to completely pivot on a project? Not totally, but yes, there are certain areas that, yes, sometimes have to pivot, and especially when it comes down to budget. You know, if the budget doesn't allow for, let's say, wallpaper on the common walls, you may have to deviate from wallpaper to paint. You may not be able to do maybe the custom inlays in a carpet pattern because the budget doesn't allow. Maybe there's a style of a chair is not as friendly to an elderly condominium as it would be a younger condominium. And what I mean by that is if you follow the trends of some contemporary furniture, the seating is a lot lower which for an elderly community is very difficult because they may be able to get down into the chair, but they may not be able to get up. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good point. I have sat at those meetings, Patty, because they loop in the association attorney like me for a couple different things. One, do we need a membership vote? Is this an alteration? And when we're talking about a, a decorating project, a design project, it is an alteration that's going to require membership approval. And secondly, they reach out to us as to how we're going to pay for this. Are we going to vote to, to use reserve funds? Are we going to specially assess? But I remember sitting in, in one of these meetings and the designer who was presenting, I think the budget for just three Three silk orchids was $5,000. That wasn't the budget. That was her proposal, which was three silk orchids, and it was about $5,000. She did not get the job. I can understand why. <laughs> One of my questions is, if a community is considering several different design options from different designers, do you typically get to see what your competition is offering before the final decision is made? Not usually. And I would say the only way that I would get to see my competition is if they had it on display and let's say for or the, all the homeowners to take a look at and possibly vote on. So no, I don't think anybody gets to see what somebody else is proposing. They probably shouldn't. Now I have heard of this happening in some communities where you might have a board member who prefers a particular designer and may quietly leak that bid to that favorite designer to kind of know what they're up against. Certainly not something we would ever recommend a board do, but I, I'm a realist and I understand that it happens. I'm sure it does. What questions should boards be asking of the designers they interview for a project? I really think one of the most important questions is, who are the subcontractors that you're going to be using on our building? Are they experienced? What is their experienced? Are they licensed? and insured. Because if there is an issue, let's just say with a pipe that bursts and apartment 408 has got a flood in their ceiling, who's responsible? Who is paying for this? 
So that I think is one of the most important questions. So Patty, most communities don't have unlimited budgets when it comes to a renovation project in the common areas. Take the typical high-rise building. It's an older high-rise. They want to be competitive in the market because let's be honest, there's new buildings going up. So if I'm looking to purchase a condo in a, in a high-rise in a particular area, I'm going to look at the existing buildings, but I'm also going to look at the new buildings with all the bells and whistles. How does an older building compete with that? And what areas should they focus on to stretch their decorating dollars the furthest? Well, obviously, yes. When you walk into these condos today, they are really done to the nines. The flooring is beautiful. The wall decor is beautiful. The lighting fixtures are incredibly beautiful. And the older condos, the lighting in the halls are usually dark and dingy. Everything is outdated and older. So I think in order for these older high-rises to attract new tenants, they need to step it up to at least better compete with the new and better. And how they need to do that is they have to, if they don't have the budget, they have to work with what they have and make it better. I know in certain condos, just by changing the light bulbs can really change the whole look of a hallway because they probably had these bulbs at 2,700 lumens, which which shows you a warm yellowy light. If they change it to a 3,000 or 3,000 plus, they're going to have a brighter wire light, which again is going to make the hallways appear cooler and brighter. Painting the walls. I'm sure whatever is on the walls is outdated and dark. And just by refreshing with paint and lighting can really update a hallway. I don't think a lot of boards think about that, but you've got those long, dark corridors. Changing the light bulbs alone may be a material alteration that requires a membership vote. Would you recommend that they balance though? If you have a limited budget, because I go out to a lot of communities for their meetings, the lobby looks fantastic. But when you go in the corridors, you get past the lobby, past the common air, you get into the corridors, it's a whole different story. It's like a different building. So for a limited budget, would you recommend, hey, I know you want to have a showstopper for a lobby, but you have to think about these other areas because potential purchasers are going to leave the lobby and they're going to go to the unit. So yes, you do want to wow them when they walk in the front door. But yes, you do have to carry that feeling as they walk down the hallways to the units. So you still need to have beautiful front doors, whether they need to be freshened up and painted or updated, you know, numbers on the door. They need to reflect the image that you are portraying as you walk through that front door. Maybe even the door handles. I go in some communities and you've got a newer feeling in the common area downstairs in the lobby. But when you're in that hallway, you're even looking at the doors. The doors look so dated. All that needs to be updated, as is does the elevator yeah. need to be updated. Absolutely. I always I always look at elevators. And you look, elevator modernization projects, we see that routinely with our clients. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. They're a nuisance. It requires the elevator being shut down. So we have to make sure that people have access in and out of the building, particularly older people who may be on the higher floors. So right. when you're doing a project, have you been commissioned at times to do everything? Look at the elevators. Look at the corridors. Look at the lobby. Yes, absolutely. And Bring it all together. Bring it all together. I think that's the best way to do it. What about an HOA with a large clubhouse, Patty? Assuming the budget is large enough, is it sometimes easier to just tear down that structure and start all over again from scratch? Well, as a designer, I would say, yes, it's easier because it's harder to work with 
what's existing and make it beautiful. Anytime you're going to start from scratch, your whole design process thoughts can be created. But sometimes it isn't cost effective. That's an incident where you really need to confer with your architect and engineer because there could be plumbing issues, pipe issues that are already underground and in place that could be very cost prohibitive to move. I would love to say yes, tear it down and start all over. In some cases, it may be better monetarily to use the same footprint. Work with what you have. Work with what you have. I imagine you try to avoid community politics as much as possible, because believe me, politics is runs deep in many communities. Have you ever found yourself being drawn into a struggle amongst members of the board who have a differing vision with regard to what the renovation project should look like? How do you navigate that? Well, I try to leave my boxing gloves in the car, (laughs) but yes, you do have to, at times, play referee between board members and board members and myself. You know, they hire me for my expertise, and I try to explain to them that they're getting a, a beautiful renovation and design package that I would also hire the best subs who are licensed and insured and that the end result is going to be what they want in a beautiful one. Um, When it comes down to certain things like artwork or some furniture, yes, there's always going to be battles over who likes what and who doesn't like what. But usually I can try to win them over by showing them what the the end result is going to look like. How realistic, Patty, is it for boards to expect that any designer can bring this project in on budget, on or under budget, and without any issues coming up? In any project, and especially in a construction project, there's always the unforeseen. Just as when you are installing a new kitchen in a condo, A lot of times you are changing your cooktop and your venting system. If your venting system isn't hooked up exactly to the venting with the building, there could be a problem. There could be a problem with flooring. Uh, If you don't put in the proper flooring with a subfloor and... It's, it's noisy for the, uh, for the apartment underneath. There could be issues. There's issues with flooding. Somebody could, when installing the plumbing, not, not install it correctly. Or when they're installing cabinetry, anything, they could hit a pipe and we could have issues. So there's always unforeseen issues that could happen. You mentioned pipes. In one of my upscale high-rise condos, a contractor installing a $20,000 sink hit a common element pipe. He flooded out 11 units as a result. So what precautions can you take as a designer when it comes to installations in in your projects? You have to be prepared ahead of time. And that's why it's up to the designer to hire qualified subs who are licensed and insured. So not only is it responsibility of the sub, but you should also have plans of that building and know where these pipes are or have the engineer who worked on the building guide you to let you know if there's any obstruction or anything that you need to be aware of. So hopefully you can avoid a tragic incident like this. 
So would you take a project where a board said to you, look, Patty, we love you. We want your designs, but we're going to hire the subs. Would you take that project? Absolutely. Okay. I thought you were going to say no. No. And you know why I would take it? Because I would have no responsibility for any of those subs. The responsibility and liability is totally on the board. Well, I I assume your contract would, would say as much. Absolutely. I would be responsible for the design concepts. And they're responsible if they're going to do that. But you know where I'm going with this question, yes. because there are some communities who who want to do like a hybrid. I agree with your approach. I think having the designer come up with the design plan, hire the subs and oversee them is going yes. to is going to create a more comprehensive oh. approach to the project. But if they want to do it this way, and many do these carve outs, it would it would concern me if the community was looking to hire or use their own employees or their own maintenance guy to do a project like this. But I've seen it happen, or I've at least seen it considered. Normally, I'm able to talk them down and say, this is really not the preferred route to take. Well, I mean, listen, I think that all could work very well. But I think the designer, whether it would be me or somebody else, has to lay out the plan first, the groundwork of what everything what all has to transpire, when and how. And I think that if the buildings department can follow that plan, it all could work very well. So I'm going to use another analogy when it comes to my work. Throughout the lifespan of a community, their documents will need at some point to be freshened up. Just like we're talking about freshening up the real property, they need to freshen up their documents. Often I'm told that there is a document rewrite committee in place. I find those committees to be of limited usefulness, depending on who's sitting on the committee and what their input is. Often for me as the attorney, it's easier for me to look at their documents and give them my suggestions on how to freshen it up. But I know when it comes to renovation projects, a lot of communities use design committees when they're approaching these renovation projects. How helpful or unhelpful have you found these design committees that are usually just comprised of either the board members or several uh, residents in the community How useful have you found them to be when you as a designer are working on a plan for a renovation project? It could be a really helpful thing, again, if the whole plan was laid out and let's just say if we have a design team and this group of people is going to follow up on the lighting, this group of people is going to follow up on the flooring, this people are going to follow up on the furniture, it would be only helpful if they were going to follow the whole design scheme and plan of the designer and not go off and deviate on a different tangent. If they're going to do their assigned tasks, great. If they're not, then it's not helpful at all. And I assume that it should be the designer who's selected who assigns the tasks. Absolutely. Not them assigning their own tasks. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, because I've seen it both ways. So now that we've kind of laid the groundwork, Walk us through your design process. You've gone out, you've convinced the board, they love you. They present you to the membership, they love you. You've come up, walk us through your design process. What do you start with first? Colors, a a feeling, a trend, a design style? I always like to start with a color palette. And depending on where this condo is, will also reflect upon the palette. So let's say if the condo is on the ocean, I definitely would like to reflect some water. Um, I always like to make a building as timeless as possible. 
because they may not have renovated for a while and they're, you're trying to bring things up to date. So you want to keep things classic, neutral, but yet fresh. So I would start with my color palette. Then I would deviate to, okay, what needs to be done? Are we doing the a, a grand entrance, a grand you know reception foyer area? Do we need new ceiling details? Do we need some architectural wall details? Do we need to update the flooring if we're going to be somewhere near the water? And depending on the age group of the occupants, do we need to have some kind of anti-grip um, material as we walk through the door so there's no slipping? So I would try to come up with the whole architectural design scheme for the grand entry and then obviously carry that through the general corridors and hallways. You, you spoke about a classical look. I think that makes sense because these projects are costly and I don't think boards want to have to be taking undertaking them uh, you know every five years if they're if they're chasing trends. To your point, I've seen that in play. I've seen some communities that are 30 years old with design aesthetic that still feels pretty fresh today. And I've seen other new buildings. I've seen this more in new buildings, frankly, where it's trendy now. But it's not something that looks that I would want to live with for years and years. That's very true. If you just keep everything classic, neutral, clean, and timeless, I think things will still look good in 10 years from now. I agree. I agree. So I have to ask you, what inspires you with regard to design? And I say this because, you know, I said at the outset, we've been friends a long time and we've traveled together. And I know, I noticed on our travels that you're constantly looking up at ceilings. You know, everything inspires me. It doesn't matter if I'm traveling to Europe, if I'm traveling to Miami, I'm traveling to Naples. I find inspiration everywhere I go. You see me looking at old buildings, old ceiling details, molding details, frescoes, how things are painted, flooring, whether it's a cobblestone street, an interesting entry door, windows. All those elements are things that whether you're doing a new door or window, great, but you may take some of those concepts and and mix them into a wall detail. Even nature inspires me, whether it be the beautiful blue sky, the green grass, as green, you know, is my favorite color, flowers, all that is inspiration. So I take inspiration from everything. Are you ever asked to deal with the landscape architect? Because I imagine, in, in, particularly in communities where they have a lot of glass, in our HOAs where you have common areas, do you ever work hand in hand with the landscaper yes, to make I sure do. that the aesthetic in landscaping flows into the interiors? Absolutely. That's that's a really great question. Now, I'm not an expert in all the species of palms or plants, but yes, we always try to to bring nature indoors. It's beautiful to have wonderful picture windows and, and, a, and a great view, but let's face it, if you don't have something gorgeous to look at, you've got to make something gorgeous to look at. So if you're not looking at the ocean, you're not looking at a lake and you're looking, you know, just into a side of another building, of course you want to be able to landscape to make it look beautiful. And again, it also brings the outdoors in. So Patty, after the unprecedented year we've had with the pandemic, did the requirements of social distancing and other virus transmission prevention affect your designs in multifamily buildings? 
For example, I know I've spoken to boards about whether or not they should install automatic doors, entry doors, spacing out communal furniture differently. I know when when there's shutdowns were effective, boards did undertake a lot of changes in terms of their furniture layout. Obviously, they shut down a lot of communal areas, but has that has that changed anything with regard to your designs? I would say it really hasn't changed, you know, the 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 design thought process. Uh, I think a lot of these, you know, big high-rise buildings already have automatic doors just for convenience for their occupants. I think where it has changed is in a lot of the common areas, such as the pool areas, where people seem to congregate, you know, in, in large groups or even the banquet rooms. I think, you know, obviously in some buildings, they've taken away totally the the lounge chairs by the pool while the pandemic was in full swing. Whereas I think now they've started to put the furniture back, but place strategically. So people aren't all on top of one another. The same thing with their banquet rooms or party rooms. I think that they are spreading their tables further apart and using fewer tables. So there's the gatherings aren't as quite as large as what they used to be. I also know that sometimes in some buildings, they're limiting the amount of people they have in the elevator, just so again, it's not overcrowded. But I would say the design process and renovation hasn't really changed much. In some of my communities, they have wonderful media rooms, but I I believe they're probably going to be looking to change out some of the seating. So while they may have the seating almost like in a traditional movie theater where you may have five to 10 people in a row, perhaps separate seating in those kind of media rooms. What do you think? I would definitely say, you know, maybe you're going to see two seats together separated by a table, whether it be for, you know, food or drink, but that separation of 24 inches is a good amount instead of having another chair right next to you. Makes, so, makes, yeah, a difference. makes a difference. Makes a difference. So we've been talking a lot about your design work on behalf of community association boards, whether it's a condominium, a cooperative, or a homeowners association. What about when you represent the individual owners living in a condominium building or living in an HOA? You must encounter some of the restrictions that these communities have when it comes to renovation projects that the individual owners are taking uh, are undertaking. Actually, one of the biggest restrictions is the time of year that you can perform these renovations. Usually, again, in Florida, if it's close to the water, most of the tenants are seasonal and they go back north for the summer. So usually most of the renovation has to be done, let's say between May and October at the times where most people are up north. You also have restrictions during the year if you want to deliver, you know, furniture or smaller things. Um, They have to be done weekdays, Monday through Friday from let's say nine to five, because then you also have to be able to check out the elevator and make sure that other occupants aren't having deliveries on the same day. So you do have to plan ahead to make sure your renovations can 
occur on the days that you need them to. I imagine noise is also an issue that there's some very stringent rules regarding the type of renovation work that can go on. Uh, I know during the pandemic, we had a lot of people at home. So as part of their COVID safety protocols, some of my boards also put moratoriums on any sort of construction projects inside the units because they didn't want people who were either working from home or people who may be ill having to deal with the noise. How do, how do you navigate the, the noise issue when it comes to a total unit or home renovation? Depending on the time of the year and the age bracket of the occupants in this residence, um, again, most or let's say half are usually snowbirds. So during the summertime, when the renovation is happening, the neighbors have to be, you know, aware that their next door neighbor is renovating. And there will be the chance that from nine to five on certain days, there will be noise. Because let's face it, if you are jackhammering up an existing floor and putting in a new floor, you're going to have noise for a few days. If people are bringing in any kind of equipment, such as saws and hammers, um, there'll be some kind of noise. And I think as long as they're doing it within their allotted time frame and the neighbors are aware that there could be noise, I think all is fair. Now, when you get to, let's say, the pandemic and you're in a high-rise condo with younger people and families who are working from home and you're having a renovation, I understand, you know, yes, the noise can be just disruptive to people who are working. But again, you know, everybody is, is entitled to renovate. And I think as long as they're doing it within their allotted time frame and the neighbors are aware. So if they know it's a day where there's going to be jackhammering, they can move to another facility to work for the day. And go to a coffee shop. Listen, I, I understand. The goal, the rules, the construction rules in most communities are designed to minimize the impact associated with construction, but you can't completely, you can't completely eliminate it. So let's talk about how you get paid. I think sometimes that depends on the project and what my responsibilities are for the project. Do we pay you for a design for your designs? Walk us well, through, you get paid for the designs, but then walk us through how you get paid for the installations and the furniture. I would normally get paid a design fee to come up with the design concept for the building project. When it comes time to actually executing it, depending on how the building and board wants to work, will depend on how I get paid. If I am the one who is procuring all the furniture and handling all the subs, I will put a percentage on the furniture and a percentage on the sub contractors for my time to oversee the project and make sure the work is being done in a timely fashion. What's that what's that percentage typically? For the contractors of the sub? It really could vary. It could be 35% on the furniture and it could be 10% on the subs. In some of my communities, there's been some arguments that arose because the board hired one designer, got his or her plans, and then took those plans and used another designer to um, implement them. Is that in your industry a kosher thing to do? Is that okay to do? I imagine that would be irksome to a designer. It is not a kosher thing to do. 
Unfortunately, it is done all the time. It's hard for designers because a designer is spending a lot of hours, a lot of time coming up with a design concept, putting everything together. And let's face it, with with HGTV, the internet, everybody thinks that they can do and buy everything for next to nothing. So it's done every day where a designer will spend many hours be coming up with a beautiful concept and will give the budget for what needs to be done. And that individual or board will take those plans, those ideas, and try to substitute for something else that may look like it or possibly could even be the same thing that they could find on the internet for a couple bucks less. So boards play nice with your designers. They're trying to do the best they can in your community. Play nice. Patty, thank you so much for joining us today. Go out and make the world beautiful. Every day of my life. <laughs> thank you, Donna Berger. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a review so more people can take it to the board. And visit takeittotheboard.com for more information.